0: Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. To have Oscar, Oscar is the guitarist from Hammerfall. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. I've been enjoying your playing for a very long time. You have a very specific playing, a sound that I know when I hear it. And that's one of my favorite songs, uh, my favorite songs, my favorite pieces of a guitar player, You can hear the guitar playing. you're like, I know who that is, you know? That's, yeah, that's the highest praise you can get as a guitar player. So thank you very much for that. Well, you're welcome. I mean, I listen to a lot. Obviously, I'm a guitar fan. I'm a guitar player. I listen to a lot of guitar, a lot of music, and you have your own sound and, um, and your songwriting, it shows. And, and you're very prolific, actually. It's pretty amazing. You to the
1: very beginning, you've been pretty consistent with the albums. Um, yeah, we tried. I mean, we set out to do this. This was a passion project from the beginning, right? I mean, we we didn't think there was... I, I never thought I was going to sit here 25 20, it's almost, it well, was 30 years later. Yeah, 30 actually, years. You know? yeah. Happy yeah. anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that was never the intention that, because you just couldn't, I couldn't dream that big back in 93. No. You know, it was, it was such a different climate for, for, for this type of music. But what we did have, and what I said, it's, it's a passion project meant that, what I mean by that is that so we, we played the music that we absolutely loved mm-hmm. that we grew up with that we were really really passionate about and nobody else was playing so we figured fuck it we'll play it ourselves you know that's basically what we what the mindset was uh but and because we had that mindset uh i think all the albums came quite naturally because the, the the evolution of hammerfall was very natural because we got to do this mm-hmm. full time we got to have all our ideas just whatever it is you know put it in uh, but we also had a vision, Joachim and I, uh, specifically together, had a, a really clear vision of what Hammerfall is supposed to be, and we stuck to that through the years.
0: Well, it's amazing how well, I mean, because you're right, I think, if A, if you had a plan, it probably wouldn't have worked, because the best laid plans, especially for music, yeah. go out the window. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, I mean, so as you guys just played from your heart, and you had no, no agenda,
1: so everything's just been a, a journey of success, really, because you've had no agenda. Yeah, I think that's plays a big part in it. You know, just just the fact that we didn't we didn't pick this music style because we thought that was what the next big thing was going right. to be, or that this going to take us anywhere. We just played the music we loved, and then rode the roller coaster that started everything.
0: Well, I think you've been a leader on some level in that because I think what you guys did is because at the time, metal has always waned and flowed in different spots of the world too. Yeah.
1: That's you know, true. In
0: yeah. Europe's been better for after the 80s and 90s and 2000s kind of grunge in america pretty bad which was nothing wrong with grunge but but i'm talking like commercial also like if you were a metal band you lost your yeah. contracts, is what i'm saying europe kind yeah, of saved metal a little them. bit you know what i mean so <laughs> so it was nice to see bands spring out again
1: and start fresh again yeah and carry over some of that influence yeah, that that was the whole thing, like what you just said, that that's the reason we didn't think that this band was really like yeah. this was never going to be anything because we, we did it for our, for our own sake more than anything else, because we never thought that this music would would come back, maybe not ne- ever come back, but at least not at the moment when it did, you know, and mm-hmm. what we didn't count on what, what from our point of view was we are in Sweden uh that's where you know that's all i and i mean this is of course back in 96 you know 90 well mid mid 90s uh the the world was a lot smaller back then because of the internet wasn't as established as it is now and uh there was no uh, spotify and all that stuff so it was very hard you didn't really understand the only the only uh, like clue uh to what was going on in in the us for example was um you know, Metal Hammer or Metal Edge or whatever mm-hmm. the the metal magazines. was. That was basically what we, what we were, uh, what we saw in the music stores. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, the magazine stores, and that was all. Corn and Machine Head and grunge bands, whatever yeah. the the right. fad was. So, so for us, there was and the kind of landscape here was the same, similar at least. Nobody really wanted to admit that they still liked the melodic stuff because it was supposed to be very rhythm based and very right. aggressive in the nineties uh and but what we didn't count on what i'm getting at is germany (laughs) basically um because in germany they didn't pivot away from anything of course they did that too you know they had the the modern new metal whatever they were called back as well but they never uh let go of the old bands basically uh not in the same way at least yeah so no germany is very uh, interesting like that yeah yeah, it's it's very strange. I mean, it's like they're living in their bubble still. You know, they they like what they like, and that's it. And I love that. You know, they they have no uh, yeah. problems about. It. Like, for example, in in the nineties, people were laughing at us when they saw us on stage wearing you know leather and studs and chains. That was because that's how we perceive the heavy metal band it's supposed to look right. like, right? So we wore that. But I saw people like sniggering and what the hell, you know, what the what are they yeah. doing? Don't they know this ninety five or ninety whatever it was now? Um, but the Germans never said anything like that. They just went, "Come here, baby," you know, and embraced <laughs> us. So uh, we had a really good, uh, and plus we had a German record label that helped a lot too, because they knew uh, the the market in Germany, and that's how it started yeah. uh, for us. And then it grew uh, outwards for that. And then, of course, uh, with the third album, Renegade, we hit hit it really big, uh, basically everywhere. So. Yeah.
0: It, it brings to two questions. That I'm actually two things. First thing is, it's funny because actually, even, even like the Hooters did really big in Germany and still do. So it's interesting <laughs> yeah. different types of music. I love the Hooters. I love I love melody based music. So mm-hmm. or I can like the Hooters and I can like Hammerfall because there's there's a good melody. So I like that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. So, but it's really so this was interesting. Germany's always embraced a lot of different sounds. Um, one of the questions I was gonna ask you though, so when you were starting out, in early metal, one of the things we had over here was like tape trading. And obviously, by the right. time you guys started out, there was no more tape trading because there were no more tapes anymore. Now they come back as like little niche things, as like promo pick, promo kits.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But I mean yeah. the MP3s. What were you guys doing because they didn't have tape trading back then? How were you
1: getting <clears throat> some of the different underground music? Well, they- it was still cassette tapes. That was, was the, the thing, you know, in early nine. Yeah, early nineties for sure. Uh, I didn't get my first CD player until like ninety four or something. I was okay, uh, you know. I, I didn't want to give up the the vinyl, uh, but but also remember, I did come from from uh, like I was a, uh, a teenager in the end of the nineties, like a late teenager. So I yeah. was involved in this whole uh, death metal scene, right? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So the the um, Uh, the Gothenburg Sound development and all that stuff. I was heavily involved in that. So there was a lot of tape trading going on back then as well. But with Hammerfall, there was not really any trading. You know, we didn't really record a demo either. So the only, like, the band was formed in 93, but uh, nothing really happened except for a live show here and there Mm -hmm. uh, until 96 when Joachim came into the picture. Uh, And the first show we did with Joachim was recorded by accident Uh, uh, by a friend of the Frederick, our bass player, his friend was also playing in the same night. Uh, so his, his girlfriend filmed uh, his, his friend's show, set, but then they had like 15 minutes left or whatever it was, 10 minutes left on the tape because, you know, videotapes with VHS, big things. Yep. So the album, fuck it, I'll film Frederick's show too. Uh, and then we, I think they had one and a half songs. And then after that, the tape just shut off. <laughs> uh, but um, that was the basis for our record deal. So that's how we really, got it because we had that tape. Yeah. Uh, also, part of the story is because we, I was playing with Frederick in a, a technical death metal band called Crystal Age at that time, and we had released an album on on a, a Dutch label called Vic Records, kind of a, like mm-hmm. a wardrobe label we call them here, you know, because they were very popular. They didn't really it was um, you were they released the music that they wanted to release and put out the you know thousand two thousand CDs whatever it was. Uh, so we had already contact with Vic Records and. Uh, he said to me that, because I told him I have a heavy metal band as well. And he said, yeah, that would send me something. Let's listen to it. So I sent him that video. And because he knew us, like he knew uh, uh, me and Frederick and uh, like, he knew that we were not trying to to sell him on something that wasn't uh, right. legit. Honest. Right? honest. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So uh, so he signed us, uh, Hammerful, for that deal. And then uh recorded the first album for this le- record label. Uh, but we also had Jesper in the band, Jesper Strombler, uh who was in Inflames at that time. And Inflames was on Nuclear Blast. Uh, Jesper brought the tape from Hammerf- it's Like When we finished the recording, I think Inflames went on tour. This was right before Christmas in 96. So he, they went on that, some sort of like Christmas bash tour with, together with many other bands in Germany, uh, uh, Europe at least. Uh, and so we gave a tape to somebody at Nuclear Blast, and that's how they got a hold of of, of us from the from the first. So we got a a fax you know, again, <laughs> again with the uh, uh, the old technology, but that was how people communicated back then because this was way before email and stuff. So we got sent a fax um, from Marcus Steiger, from the boss of Nucle Blast or the the owner of the of the of the record company and he was excited ecstatic he really wanted to sign Hammerful. so that's how he started for us and then uh, the first album was released on Nuclear Blast but licensed from Vic Records okay but once yeah and then Nuclear Blast realized oh yeah this is we're going to uh, let go like buy him out so we um, we ended up uh, buying him out uh, you know how it works with labels it was the label who gave me the money, but it was in the end was our money. So basically we ourselves bought ourselves out, but that's how it works. You know, it was recoupable stuff. But uh, so we got uh, uh, only was from like the second pressing on the first album was, uh, uh, I think, uh, was uh, hammerful was a nuclear blast product. It's collector's item, right? Well, it, well yeah, I mean, yeah, so... it, what's interesting to
0: me is because growing up like so at the same age, I, I literally things changed for you as when you guys got signed and the music was passing about and even like even how i was hearing music generationally because at this point when you're younger teens and you're teens or whatever you're most aggressive listening to music for most people i think i'm pretty fair to say yeah. that yes, if you're 400 years to everyone goes back to that's their memories i mean they connect everything to it once you're like 30 years old and you have a kid you're not thinking about that does not bring you back to your your first you know kid's first birthday or something so, so <laughs> no. but, but, but but being a music fan you know like I am I've always continually seeked out music as much as I did when I got older now I remember hearing about Hammerfall but not in the same way as the world changed and you had like Napster and other online places like yeah. that and then and websites were going up and down and, and, and like dot com this and everything was nobody was everything was like realigning and you guys were coming up during that digital confusion almost in a way for music because music did not well, it still really hasn't found its legs again. I mean, I don't think it ever will. Right. But you guys—that was yeah. a really weird time, though, because I mean, to even come across you, I was surprised I did because it was so weird for music at that time. You know, so it's another plus that you guys succeeded because, you
1: know. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the, the 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 leap across the pond was was fairly large in those days, like musically, uh, yeah. like we talked about earlier. But w- what happened for us was um, we. Yeah, this was after the first album. Like we had recorded the second, but it wasn't released yet. So we went uh, on a summer, like promotion tour. The album mm-hmm. was coming out in September, so this was maybe early August, I think. Uh, and there, there was uh, back in those days, there was uh, a show like a uh, uh, fair kind of music, not for music for music instruments, but for like record labels and stuff. Uh, it Was called Popcom in Germany in Cologne uh and uh it just so happened that Chuck Schuldiner from Death was there as well uh-huh. uh, and he uh he loved Hammerfall so uh and he was doing a tour with Death i think they released that um Sounds of Perseverance the same uh year like same okay. around the same time i think um so that came out in uh in 98 and we did a tour with them in um it was a fairly long one i think maybe 5 weeks or so uh in the US uh, right be- I think we came back like before Christmas, like in December 20 or whatever it was um, so that started us on the US, that was my first time in the US h- ever. H- How was that tour? Before. Like the fan wise, you, know, uh, you guys
0: are a lot more melodic yeah. than, than death, I mean very yeah.
1: technical music, very technical yeah.
0: but when you listen to the melodies and the aggression yeah. it's a
1: little bit different,
0: I mean little I mean a lot
1: <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're 100% right um, the the, the Connection with death. Chuck was—he's always loved heavy metal, of course, because he came from that background as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. He—I don't remember how old he was. But he was kind of like my age, maybe a couple of years or older, but but we still, may, basically the same background as as we had. Uh, so, and also that this was also at a time when he—they were planning on releasing that, or maybe they already did. I don't remember that. Um, fuck, what was the name of that? He did like a heavy metal project. As well, um, I don't remember his now. I, I know, I know he's doing a lot yeah. of stuff. I
0: mean, he, there's so much, and then there's so much stuff out now from Death that's been re-released. Yeah, yeah. every but this album. was
1: this was released when he was still alive. Yeah. So this was some uh, some well, whatever. He was sort of pivoting a little bit towards uh, maybe aggressive heavy metal, if you want to call it that. Um He I don't think he was singing on that album anyway. Uh, so he was involved in that. He was like um, uh, very interested in in this package, and he worked. For the most part, uh, not everywhere but for the most part it did work um, it was I remember one uh, place in, in time in um, San Francisco we played with I don't remember the name of the bands but there were a couple more bands on the bill on that show mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we uh, got things thrown uh, on uh, at us on stage. But from the other bands, it came from like the the dressing room was like just uh, <laughs> uh, boarded off, and was like there was nothing it was like glass bottles or anything. Oh, like no, no, I still, know, yeah, you know, I know. Stuff. Yeah, that's pretty. So not it, cool. It, it, but who cares? You know, it was uh, we we didn't. Uh, no, but your musicians,
0: your fellow musicians, at least give respect to somebody putting their time yeah. and their craft you, out there. It's not yes, easy.
1: You. You'd think uh, that that was going to be the attitude, but then, anyway. So for the most part, and as far as I can remember, uh, the audience loved it. You know, they they may not have understood everything because it, the younger crowd maybe wasn't around in the '80s, uh, but they still uh, liked it. I mean, we there was never any booze or any. Or you know, we felt uh, welcomed on stage every night. So it's a it's a really good tour. And on a personal level, that was it still ranks to this day. After all the tour we've done since then. Really? It's the one of my absolute favorite tours. Yeah. It's because maybe like the breakthrough
0: success. I, well, what's great about this band is, and with you guys, is like, it's never a band I feel sad listening to it because everything feels like you get happy with the song, even if you don't know it, because the melody lifts you and you're happy with the song, you, mm-hmm. you're catching on to it, you're understanding it. I mean, second time, you kind of got the songs, you feel good. Everything's just epic. Everything I listen to, I do, I feel epic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're on the house, I feel it's epic because it's just
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand what you mean, and I think that's the, the inherent uh attitude of heavy metal music just the yes. positivism. It's not oh, happy, yeah. it's positive and yeah. it's powerful, so it gives you energy. And that's so what, what I get from my my heroes, like uh, Judas Priest and except uh, are two of my favorite bands since you know, since I was yeah. a kid, and they're still, still really to good. this day, are
0: still to this day yeah, are exactly,
1: awesome. exactly. So, but you get that energy from listening to it as a fan. That's Absolutely. the energy I want to. I, I want to have our fans feel when they hear Hammerful music that that's always been something we try to sort of channel through the music. Has it been a
0: challenge because your your playing is always out of the gate? In the early albums have always been really really good. You had a really good tone, and obviously as a songwriter, you want to grow as a songwriter. You want to, but you want to keep the sound of the band. You don't want to. You want to be creative without making too many left turns.
1: Has it been a challenge right, for you to yeah. kind of grow within your own? Um, you yeah, band. absolutely. Yeah, we set the boundaries and uh, we don't really want to exceed those boundaries. Which but that makes sense also because I think what I will always said uh in interviews since we started doing interviews basically is that for me heavy metal is such a broad concept. Mm-hmm. You can have um you know your Man of Wars or Judas Priest or or uh, uh King Diamond even is like those are very different bands. Yeah. But there's still a part of the heavy metal, so you can do a lot of stuff within oh, yeah. the with the boundaries of heavy metal. So we've never really uh, thought about anything like the only the the only the thing we can't do is the thing we don't want to do. So like, it's very easy, you know. It, it doesn't it makes uh, so much sense for us because we want to do this stuff, we don't want to do that, and that would not have been uh, within the boundaries. But we we don't want to do it anyway. So th- it's really simple that way. Well,
0: it, one of the things as we as we um, I know get to the end here. What I want to say is that COVID was like really crazy for a lot of music fans. Like for bands, it was like, obviously it was bad for on the on the medical and everything side yeah. for people. But for artists that were touring musicians or playing musicians, a lot of bands got to sit down and write their first, the first album they had time to write, rest from it. And oh. so a lot of really good albums came out. What's interesting is as I look at your, your, your discography, <laughs> you guys did like, you guys really didn't slow down. You guys still did some really, some of your best albums ever, one after the other. And between that, you guys were doing like anniversary releases. Like you guys actually were growing during the time of COVID.
1: Yeah, we were very uh, fortunate in that way uh, that we like a lot of bands got to cancel tours and in the middle of them, or maybe even before they started, Uh, we got to finish. We did a a full U.S. or North American tour as a support for Sabaton in 19. And then in in, uh, January, and February twenty. We did a full headline tour in Europe, which was our biggest and most successful tour that we've ever done. Uh, so for us, uh, and and the thing was, we finished that tour, went home, boom. Two weeks later, everything shut down. So in that respect, we were really fortunate because we got to finish what we were we had planned. Right. there are a few shows, you know, festivals all out the window, few shows, and then we had a North American tour planned for the fall of 2020, which also got uh, had to be uh, canceled. But apart from that, I mean, we did most of the stuff we were, we were supposed to do. And we also had a plan uh, before, long before COVID hit, we had talked because Joachim really likes long-term planning. That makes him feel uh, uh, se- secure and, and calm. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I think it's great. I mean, I would never insist on it. I, I, I love it, but I, I'm right. not that guy who was, just has to have it. You know, it, for me, it's, I'm, I'm much more lazy than that. He likes to have everything squared up. So we had the plan to, um, to uh, record the next album around the time when we did record the, the next have our Dawn, in that case. Um, we had the plan to, re- to release a live album uh, or a live release during 2020, which we did also. Uh, so we recorded it during the European tour and they released it uh, like six months later or whatever it was. And all those, like the, the re-releases of, of the, the old albums were also planned from before. So we just kept uh, kept our schedule basically, uh, except the schedule was uh, without live shows. <laughs> yeah, that's right. you know the, the big difference. So we it, didn't really, uh, yeah, sorry. Well, it was amazing. I mean, did, has all
0: these releases actually continued to grow the band? Or is it, I mean, is there a certain point where it's gonna be like a saturation? Because I was uh, also looking, I'm like, there's a lot of albums on the market right now, this year, and a lot yeah. of tours, and a lot of bands you can't get, and buses you can't get right now, because everybody's out yeah, there, exactly. or records. Because everyone is out of the, the, the gate this past year or two, when COVID opened oh, okay. things again, it's been insane. Did it kind of change things? Yeah, it's a bit more of a challenge now
1: with records and stuff for you guys. Um, uh, no, I think I think what COVID did to to me personally was first, uh, like it hit in March basically, and then by summer I realized, okay, this is not going away soon. You know, it's going to yeah. be for a while. Uh, and then that summer I, I was, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was pretty worn out from, we toured a lot the, 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 like previous five years or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of traveling, a lot of stuff. Uh, I was kind of tired of it, uh, but I didn't understand that or realize it until I didn't have to go anywhere anymore. So that (laughs) summer was, That summer was perfect. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. remember the last time I spent this an uninterrupted summer with my family in Sweden. I, it's I don't think this ever happened, basically. So that summer was great. But then, when summer started to fade and fall was, you know, approaching, yeah. and it looked for a while that that COVID was going to go away for a second, like it's the first wave was yeah. done. Yeah, and then the second wave hit even bigger and harder than the first one. Mm-hmm. And now we're in like October, and that was hard because we did have a, an album. We were supposed to start recording. I think was it January? Maybe I don't remember exactly when we when we started. Uh... But but it was really difficult to to uh, be inspirational in those times. So I, that was the, the the downside of it. You know, right. To find uh, inspiration, because I I didn't have anything to look forward to uh, musically, like uh, professionally, so to speak.
0: That that'd be hard uh, there.
1: Because so, also, sorry, stuff on you. Like, but
0: also Sweden, but the weather changes too. So your seasons are yeah. a lot drastic <laughs> too. So dealing yes, with these drastic season changes is just enough. It's just enough,
1: yeah, to get ruined it was, and keep, up yeah, it. It, can, it. and then
0: again, COVID on top of yeah. that is like it's like being kicked in the stomach yeah. when you're already down.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. But it worked out. And right, the thing right. for me, uh, what saved that for me was that I I wrote a lot of songs before. I mean, I didn't have to write all the songs in 2020. I had several songs left over from. Uh, from previous, and I also, for more than anything, wrote stuff on the road. I've started doing that the last five years or whatever, and that 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 kind of saved me because I had most of the album already written, and I had to finish a couple of songs, so it didn't matter that the, those songs took three times longer to to uh, yeah. finish than they normally did. You know, it didn't matter, no rush, because uh, I already yeah, no rush. So uh, and, and that was the great thing again. We record here in our own studio, uh, which is on my property here in, in Sweden, uh, which meant we didn't have any time constraints uh we could record whenever we wanted to we could take uh, a a weekend off if we if because Pontus has to come down from Stockholm so we have okay. we uh, yeah the drums of course done in a week gone you know that that's the first thing that happens but then the guitars we do song by song so we do guitars and bass on one song and then we move on to the next one uh and uh uh Pontus has to come down and be a part of this. Uh, the other guitar player, uh, Pontus, uh, and, and he's sort of the studio mastermind. He needs to be in the studio when we, re- we record. We can't do it without him. Uh, so uh, we. This was the most. I think I was saying this was the most leisurely recording we ever done. Partly Good. in because of COVID, because we could. We we had time. We were started really really early. Several mm-hmm. months before we sort of had to start, you know, because we didn't have anything other, other, other you, you know, and we were ready. But also because, uh, the, the, uh, it, it, we did, there was not anything else, uh, pushing in on it. Like, you, like you have to think about this for release and whatever, uh, you have to travel here to do promotion, what, nothing like that. We just recorded the album and was done with it. And then when we were done, we sat on it for a while because of the delivery time for pressing for vinyls, mostly more than anything that they they had uh, more al- almost doubled. Uh, so yeah. normally uh, the labels need the album three months in advance. That's what they tell you, and then they because uh, they want to have a margin of error. Kind of if, if you yeah. know, if you go over the whatever, um, but uh, three months is like the cut time usually. And now it's probably five months or six months even nowadays. So because uh, uh, the vinyl. Uh, pressing plants couldn't keep up with all the the, yeah. the orders basically I it's, think it was, bigger, of, right? uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was a shortage of yeah yeah it was a shortage of um supplies like to manufacture the albums so I think it was not yeah. just the fact that they had many albums they had uh didn't have the material to do it either. No you're right and also
0: now with CDs and uh records I think outsold CDs this year. I think that's what yeah, it is. Like, that's, like, that's by, true. by a couple that's percent. True. I've I've been vinyl all my whole life. I've got hundreds yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of records. Yeah. That, the upside for me was when no one liked it, I was getting all the good ones I didn't have. Real cheap. Right, right, right. Now, yeah. now, they're, now they're ridiculous again. I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now it's really expensive, even the, oh. the smallest, you know, whatever, the, yeah. the less, least popular album still is expensive nowadays. It so. is. It is.
0: That's awesome. So I just want to wrap up. So you're getting ready to go back on tour again. You just mm-hmm. did a successful one uh, with uh, Halloween. So, like, what's the plans now? Touring and then the album cycle? Yeah, like well, again, or festivals.
1: Yeah, for summer festivals. Uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, this weekend is off, and we we've been home for a week. And now it's going to be two weeks before between shows, more or less. Then we do uh, the festival season starts for us. Uh, so we do those European outdoor festivals. A lot of them this summer, uh, and then we actually do have four shows with Halloween left over from the European tour because they had to split the European tour up yeah. in. in uh, you know, ten different uh, uh sessions or whatever it is. So we do have Scandinavia and Spain left to do in September. And those are the last things we do. Uh after that, we're gonna take a break and record the new album. So nice. that that's what we're gonna do. Yep. What a great package. You guys that two similar bands too. So that's really yeah. what a great,
0: great, great package. Real good guitars and heavy metal, but some great vocals. I mean it's just yeah, they still really is, good, that good that for is, us. Yeah. That's a dream package. Um I want. I I want want to thank you, man. This has been great to to talk to you. I've been a fan for years. That we could finally do this. Uh, So people, check them out. Check. Go to the website. Go to see my tour if you can. Um, Obviously, it could be in Europe right now at this point. But you can always go to the website. Uh, It's a great website. Lots of videos, albums, live stuff. You got a lot of stuff. out, A lot of reissues. So. Yeah. Enough, enough for people to listen to right now
1: we're going to be back uh, in North America next year we haven't like we want to be back in North America next year and if we want something it usually happens so let's uh, be, yeah, hope for that I'll be there in the front row thanks
0: man I really appreciate it yeah <laughs> cool idea.